Congratulations, you're listening to Podcast Rebellion. Welcome everybody to Podcast Rebellion. This is Juco All-American, joined as always by Whiskey Wednesday. And we have a lot to talk about, as always. We're going to talk about both the Vanderbilt game and the upcoming Auburn game, along with a few other things mixed in. But just like we always do, we'll first talk about what we're drinking. I am actually drinking, I guess this is kind of fitting because Ole Miss is playing Auburn this weekend. Uh, I'm drinking an old-fashioned I made with Clyde Mays uh, bourbon whiskey, which is a 110-proof bourbon that is distilled in... They can call it bourbon because they follow all the right things. Uh, It's distilled in Troy, Alabama. And uh, yeah, it's actually really good. Um, I mean, it's not incredible. And actually, I think its price point is uh, like $60 a bottle. I I did not buy this bottle. Uh, My brother-in-law brought over the remnants of it, and uh, I just had the last little bit. But yeah, it's, it's pretty tasty. Have you ever had this by any chance? I don't think so. Yeah, the the bottle doesn't look familiar. I thought the name sounded familiar, but you know, lots of bourbons are named right you know, after a dude who sounds Some like he in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, actually, this guy, the guy this is named after, was a moonshiner uh, who uh, was actually not all that old. I, I mean, I guess like so he he died in like the early nineties, and his. And, and apparently, like, he was known for producing volume of, of moonshine over necessarily, uh, you know, quality of moonshine. <clears throat> cool, cool. And uh, his brother, or his, sorry, his son decided to, like, turn that business legit. But the funny thing is, like, that's the story that goes along with it, but the bourbon itself has nothing at all to do with the dad. Like it's, <laughs> it's not at all a recipe of his or anything like that. It's just like, I guess he was inspired by his dad, who was arrested uh, and imprisoned for for moonshine, uh, apparently at one point in the seventies. So yeah, fun stuff. Well, sounds Back like a dude who likes to party. Um, you said he wasn't that old. I thought you were going to say like he was a 14 year old moonshiner. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I meant he was, you know, not alive in the, in the 1800s. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, have you ever had, have you ever had uh legit moonshine? I think you, I think yeah. we might've had it together at one point. Yeah. At a I've, chili I've cook-off had, competition. Yeah. I, I've had it a few different times, both, you know, the kind of illicit variety and the, the bottled, you know, yeah, I, I'm I'm speaking of the illicit variety. The like, will this harm my body? We'll mm-hmm. find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite an experience if you haven't done it. Uh, it's like it's kind of like being physically hit a little bit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to drink it real cold. Got to be mm-hmm. real cold. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so I'm keeping it simple but kind of fancy. I'm having a, a little glass of Havana Club uh, rum. The uh, the actual real Cuban kind that that a friend uh, brought for me from Europe, where it is legal. Um, so don't tell the feds. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh, okay, let's jump into things. We we actually don't have a ton of time. Everybody uh, have pressing things to do. So um, I think before we actually talk about more of the nitty gritty of the offense and the defense. Uh, 
two things stuck out to me, and I guess they're both related to the offense, so we might as well just say we've moved to the offense. Uh, Michael Trigg, is, it is being reported by uh, the editor of the DM Online publicly, along with almost certainly the message boards uh, behind a paywall, <laughs> that uh, Michael Trigg is likely out for the year with a collarbone, a broken collarbone. Uh, I broke my collarbone when I was in fourth grade. <laughs> and it sucks. Mm. It is a really bad bone to break. It doesn't like it hurt a lot when I actually broke it. But the more frustrating thing is like you do not realize how often you use the muscles around your collarbone. And so every little thing that you do aggravates it. Yeah. So how long was it until you were able to play football again? <laughs> you mean uh, SEC in the SEC? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like at least like two or three weeks. Okay. <laughs> no, he's he's almost certainly done for the year. Um, so that sucks. And the other main takeaway that I had offensively is there was only one really bad snap, and it was like the second snap of the game. Yeah. Um, you have to wonder if that had something to do with um oldness unleashing the short passing game because it was a, an offense completely unlike what we've seen the rest of the year exactly um, yeah and and that offense i think is much better positioned to win some big sec games than than the one we've seen through the first five weeks yeah i mean i'm a little bit i guess i'm a little bit nervous that vanderbilt is really bad defensively and you know those receivers who were able to win one-on-one matchups to make huge plays, seventy-yard plays and stuff like uh, maybe that doesn't work against most other SEC defenses. Now that's not to say that they won't be able to get you know some gains and things like that, but I don't expect to have two hundred and set uh, forty-seven yards for Jonathan Mingo any other time soon this this year. Oh yeah, I mean, four hundred, close to four hundred and fifty yards passing from Jackson Dart would be tough to replicate. Um, but just in general, being able to get off quick passes, um, you know, having quick reads like like they were able to, I think that that really sets them up for a lot more success than just really depending on only the big play. Yeah, definitely. You know, something we talked about last week is that uh, once you when you have a really bad snap, your first read may already be done by the time that you're actually looking. Uh, and so, you know, that's, I think there are a lot of things that contribute to Jackson Dart wanting to throw deep every play. <laughs> mm-hmm. But part of it is probably that, like, those short routes are now gone by the time that he's able to look. And, uh, you know, that was not the case on Saturday, and he was able to really carve up the defense. While we're talking about Jackson Dart, uh, the two picks. So the first one was just like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> Which it seems that he has one of those every game ish, right? Like yeah, at least once a game, you're just like, man, you just decided you were going to throw it directly at that dude. huh? Uh, but the second one I think was, I mean, based on the way that it came out of his hand, it seemed like he was either trying to tuck it or something weird happened with his arm slot while he was mid-throw or something like that. Because it wasn't just like, oh, it was a bad throw, that whatever. Like It was a weird, weird throw. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely agree. Something wrong happened other than just Jackson Dart staring down a receiver for way too long. Um, or just being inaccurate. Like It also didn't seem like it was just an, an inaccurate throw, you know? Yeah. So that Mechanically, there was something weird. Yeah, yeah, which almost makes it more forgivable because you feel that's like a one-off kind of freak right. accident instead of a, you know, persistent mental mistake. Yeah. Uh, but outside of those two picks, what a game. And I mean that, like, not just in a, hey, he was productive. Like, there were a bunch of throws he made that were just excellent. I mean, I think that we saw some of his best his best throws this, this game. Uh, you know, deep accuracy was on point and he was really able to to make it work with his receivers this was not just vandy's corners being so bad they were two steps behind or something like that like he was accurate and was able to hit receivers in stride oh yeah yeah it's it's at this point in the season where you know obviously we're undefeated and in, in the top 10 but it's hard not to think of next year and how good Jackson Dart could be with another year of Lane Kipton kind of overhauling the roster and another year in the system, like could be a scary good offense next year. And two tackles who are not both freshmen. That would also be helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So obviously we'd be remiss to talk about Jackson Dart without talking about Jonathan Mingo. Gosh, what a game. He was just insane. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was the biggest full game performance. Well, obviously from, from Mingo that we've seen in his career, but it's been, you know, his career has been flashes of that kind of play just a little bit at a time. And this was a whole game of it. And yeah, it was really something special. Yeah. I mean, you and I talked preseason, even on the podcast uh, about how Mingo was hyped and we could understand some of that hype, but that he disappeared way too often. Um, he hasn't really disappeared this year. I mean, he hasn't. Ha- it's not like every game has been dominant or something like that. But he's had many more games where he contributed a whole lot than games where it was like, where was Jonathan Mingo today? You know? Yeah, yeah. And it seems like Kentucky made a very concerted effort to take him away, which is why um, Malik Heath. Malik- had such a huge game. Yeah. Um, and I think I, one of my, you know, semi hot takes going into the season was that those two would kind of alternate big games. And that's, that's kind of been the case with a little yeah. bit of Jordan Watkins, you know, sprinkled in there. But yeah, yeah actually sp- speaking of Jordan Watkins coming out party for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So Jordan Watkins had seven catches for 117 yards and a touchdown. I will say one of those was 61. So, you know, he had a number of short grabs as well, which is fine. Like, I don't actually mean to say that there's anything wrong with that. But to put that in perspective, so Jordan Watkins uh, has caught balls in four other games. So he was held catchless in the Central Arkansas game. But, like, whatever. That's not a big deal. Uh, Anyway, so his totals, total yardage, were 20 yards against Troy, 45 against Georgia Tech, four against Tulsa and 49 against Kentucky in each game that I just mentioned, he had two catches and then against Vanderbilt. He had seven catches for 117 yards and a touchdown. I mean, we've been waiting for that moment for a receiver, not named Malik Heath or Jonathan Mingo to step up. And this is the first game this whole year 
that another one has. And he looked great. Absolutely. Um, his skill set, I don't know if you agree, reminds me a little bit of Braylon Sanders um, in terms of like body type, relying on mm. speed. Uh, he's not, you know, kind of a, a juke and make you miss guy, but he, he does have a lot of speed and ability to get behind the defense and just like is kind of a, a savvy guy at, at getting open. Um, and, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping this is the beginning of a coming out party for him. Yeah, I mean, Braylon Sanders was slightly taller, but to your point, like, they definitely are the same type of receiver in terms of what works for them. Um, uh, as far as the running game, uh, I, I don't mean to overstate that it was bad or something like that, but that's not the case. But, I mean, it, they averaged 5.1 yards per carry. <clears throat> Quinchon Judkins specifically was bottled up a bit. Uh, so he had 11 carries for 46 yards and two touchdowns. So that 46 yards is actually his uh, season low. His low coming into this game was 87 yards against Troy, um, which is, you know, just crazy. Uh, he did have two touchdowns, which is awesome. But his 4.2 yards per carry were also a season low. And of those 46 yards, 24 came on one run. So that means he had... 10 carries for 22 yards. Uh, wh what do you think happened? I don't know other, I mean, he didn't look particularly bad to me, but. No, I'm, I'm not saying that. Yeah. 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 His, some of his ability to just shake tackles off um, wasn't there as much. And I'm not, totally ready to give credit to the Vanderbilt defense for that. I mean, I think they came in really hot and had a really good first half Vanderbilt. Like I'd, I'd give them a mm -hmm. lot of credit for that, but I'm wondering if it wasn't just kind of a one-off thing. Like I don't expect Judkins to be average against the rest of the slate. I think he's going to continue to have good games uh, for most of the rest of the season, but you know, in, in a situation where, we pass the ball more than we ever have uh, this season. And um, Zach Evans is a little bit healthier. He, he had the same number of carries, both had 11. Um, and 11 is still a relatively small sample size. And so yeah. I, I would just attribute it to just being a little unlucky in that particular game. Yeah, <clears throat> I think there's that, that's right. But schematically also... Um, Vanderbilt dominated the line of scrimmage in the run game. Uh, so they they did lots of run blitzes uh, to take away holes and make it difficult. And so that particularly plays against a back like Judkins, who, you know, sort of needs to be able to pick up some steam. I mean, he's, I don't mean to say that he's like slow. That's not at all the case. but. Uh, Zach Evans succeeds because his entire thing is making plays in space. Whereas Quinshawn Judkins is just like dominating you physically. Um, and when there are guys in the backfield or the offensive line gets no push at all and opens no holes, then it's tough for a back like Quinshawn Judkins. But what we saw against Vanderbilt is that when the Vanderbilt, when a defense tries to do that, if you can pass, 
you can crush them. And that's what happened. So it's clear that Vanderbilt came in and they said, okay, Ole Miss is winning games by with these two crazy running backs. And they're never putting any pressure on Jackson Dart to actually do stuff. He looks okay, but let's see if they can win if we just sell out wholly against the run. And in the first half, the play calling was such that that worked for Vanderbilt. They held the Ole Miss offense at bay, and Ole Miss wasn't able to make them pay. But it's clear that at halftime, they were just like, look, this is what they're doing. We have to unleash this and you know, make them pay for, the, for selling out. And that's, that happened over and over again. And so you'd see guys across the middle catch a beat their man one on one, catch a pass and run seventy yards for a touchdown because there was no safety help. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's a, a testament to Ole Miss and to Lane Kiffin to being able to identify, you know, what the defense is taking away and then really shift the game plan. Um and yeah, that that's that's cool. That's good in my opinion. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Um, I will say, you know, the offensive line was was good in pass pro, like they have been most of the year. Uh, but the but the run game was was not great, at least in the first half. Um, let's shift to defense. So, you actually had a note here. I, I noticed it well as well, but I'd love for you to talk about. Um, there were more four down linemen sets than we typically would see. Yeah, that that seemed to to be implemented a little bit later in the game. Vanderbilt had a little success. Um, you know, they're running back, what, Ray Davis. Um, yeah, he's another fall really, forward kind of guy that was like really yeah, frustrating in the first half. Had a really successful first half, just setting them up on, on first and second down. Um, and and I think that was the the adjustment to, to stop that. I, I didn't get a good enough, like full view of the game to know exactly like what they did personnel wise, but. But yeah, yeah it'd be cool to see line. more like yeah. if we could get like uh, all 22 footage or something like that to have like a better sense. Because, I mean, it's really difficult to tell what's going on uh, in, in, in many of the plays. I will say um, AJ Swan, I, I don't want to talk too long about like Vanderbilt's offense or even necessarily Ole Miss's defense because, I don't know, uh, Ole Miss's defense just sort of was good but not incredible. But then they were had a really good second half. Anyway, um, AJ Swan, the freshman quarterback at Vanderbilt, I think he's really good. Uh, agree. Yeah. Hard yeah. Agree. Like he should transfer. <laughs> <laughs> it would be great if he transferred far out of the SEC. And, yeah. And Ole Miss is permanent East Division opponent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, it's impossible to know what guys like NFL futures are like or anything like that, but. Man, he's a good decision maker, and he can definitely get the ball places. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so that's... it'd be cool if we didn't have to play him. That'd be nice. <laughs> uh, overall, the pass defense was fine, not incredible. Um, they were able to, for the most part, kind of limit huge plays. Um, but both Jaden McGowan and Will Shepard, who were the, the Vander, Vanderbilt wide receivers who really made noise, uh, were able to make stuff happen. And um, that's troubling because I, I'm, you know, it, I think those guys are, are fine. And uh, Jaden McGowan's only a freshman and had, you know, a, a huge game. But uh, 
they're going to face some tougher receivers. And Vanderbilt found tremendous success against the zone. Like over and over again, they would just find guys that had beaten the zone, found the holes, and it's just crushing on third down so many times that it'd be third and seven, and they'd find a guy like nine yards out past the line of scrimmage for an easy first down. Love to see that stop. Yeah, yeah, a, a very frustrating you know first couple quarters on on defense. Just watching, uh, watching the pass defense, kind of. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't like they were just totally blowing coverages, but but the receivers were making plays, and and the defensive backs weren't bowing up quite as well as we we're used to seeing, for sure. Yeah. So who's your player of the game? I mean, there are only two choices, right? Yeah, I mean, I would go ahead and give it to Jackson Dart just for totally changing his play style around and, you know, suddenly throwing the ball 32 times. Uh, I mean, Mingo obviously had a record-setting kind of day, and that's awesome, but I think a lot of that is because of Dart and because of what the Vanderbilt defense is trying to take away, like you said. Yeah, did you did you see that... Um or hear about how uh, they knew going into the final drive that Mingo was right at the yards record that Elijah Moore had set. And so they tried to get him the ball on, or they had a, they had a look, look first to Mingo on every single play. And then they finally got him the ball, like towards the end of the drive. (laughs) Yeah, I did hear about that. It's pretty cool to think about, like, that they noticed that sort of thing. Uh, you yeah, know, like, Mingo thing. said in the press conference, like, I didn't even know until, like, right at the end or whatever. But Jackson Dart, in his press conference, was like, yeah, we were getting him, trying trying to get him the ball every single play at the end of the game. That's really funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, uh, let's actually then just move on to the Auburn game, because uh, we are coming up on our deadline um so i've i've watched some auburn film um a rundown a general rundown is that robbie ashford is has potential to be really good he can run well he can he can make some wild throws that are not common um i would say that too many of the wild throws that he can make that are not common are kind of fluttery uh so and he will also attempt some throws that sometimes are completed and sometimes are not and when they're completed they're great but many times they're ill-advised and what i mean is like across his body towards the other side of the field uh or like running as le- a right-handed running left uh you know throw across the field with your right hand like just some weird things that like logistically are problematic that maybe he should sort of like not attempt, but occasionally he completes for big gains. I I watched specifically the LSU game because I didn't see a lot of value in watching the Georgia game. I don't think that's representative of anything uh, that, that Ole Miss really needs to pay attention to, but Robbie Ashford played the entire LSU game and um, he had a good game, but Overall, he is completing 48% of his passes on the year. 
So, you know, uh, like I said, like he has potential to really make a huge difference. And, you know, Ole Miss has had a lot of problem with those like guys who can have a big game. Well, guess when they have a big game? It's against yeah. Ole Miss. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And you, you wonder how much they're going to have to sell out on stopping Tank Bigsby because, you know, they haven't just crushed it in the running game, but he is that kind of running back that will put them ahead uh, on first and second down. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you, if you devote too much to stopping him, then Ashford has a much thinner, you know, secondary to throw into. Right, right. Yeah. Um, now, luckily for Ole Miss, the Auburn pass protection is terrible. Uh, so, you know, Ole Miss faced a, a horrible offensive line against Kentucky, uh, which was, I think at the time, they were 127th in sacks allowed, which is, yeah, there aren't many more teams than 127 in the NCAA. Uh, Auburn is 98th, so that's also not good. Um, and so if you have a quarterback who is errant and you also can't really protect him well, oftentimes that can be a recipe for disaster. It does seem that way. And also, uh, might might we see the return of Kari Coleman uh, after... Oh, yeah. After- weeks of light or no usage that could uh that could yeah. make a big difference he was our most effective pass rusher early on yeah that's a good point um i mean i don't think that they're doing poorly without him but yeah if he could be a real difference maker that would be awesome you know and also like does jj piggies play more especially if they do more four down lineman sets then he can really eat in that way yeah yeah you would certainly hope um him paired with another you know big defensive tackle that that requires a lot of attention you think that's a pretty good recipe yeah so let me run through a couple more things about auburn's uh general game and then we'll talk about our season expectations uh one thing their defense is really good at is uh third down completion percentage uh excuse me third down conversion percentage so i think they're 25th in the country in third down conversion percentage, um, which of course is a really good stat to be good at. Um, they have struggled against good rushing ga- running games, um, namely Georgia and Penn State both kind of ran wherever they wanted all over them. I know that Georgia and Penn State are good teams, so I'm not just saying Ole Miss can do it too, but the Ole Miss running game is good. And so, you know, if those other teams have had a lot of success, it's not likely that the Ole Miss running game would get totally bottled up or something like that. Uh, Their defense is also, I mean, they're multiple like so many other defenses, but they do a lot of two down linemen. um, And then they'll also have like two guys on the outside. Basically, They'll have two tackles and then two linebackers lined up as ends, but with their hands up, generally rushing. Uh, So, you know, sometimes they'll drop back and everything, but it's not as if they're only sending two on most plays. They're almost always sending, you know, three or four at least. So that can be weird for an offensive line to pick up, but they haven't really had a lot of success in getting to the quarterback. So not a huge concern there, especially for, an offensive line that's been so good at, at stopping the pass rush. 
Uh, let's move on. Last question before we before we close, because I know we're at time. <clears throat> we always ask this: Has your season expectation changed? Last week you said you were on the nine to ten win. Uh, in the middle between those, what are your thoughts? I I think I'm back on the ten win uh, train, but I'm less confident about who the second loss would be besides Alabama. Um, it's been Arkansas in my mind, but now um, Mississippi State and LSU and A&M are all kind of up there uh, along with Arkansas. But I, I really think we take care of most of those games, but I don't think we take care of all of them. Don't you think Mississippi State is the most likely loss? I mean, other than Alabama? It's it's getting that way. If if KJ Jefferson is back in 100 percent against Ole Miss, then then that's hard to pick. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm I, last week. I was at nine and three. I'm still at nine and three. Uh, this may sound crazy, but I actually think, in my opinion, eight and four is more likely than ten and two. Um, I just think that I'm a little bit worried that we're like, oh, hey, we've we're six and zero, oh, but like these teams that we've played have for the most part been real bad. So I think that that can make us look a lot better than we really are. And I don't think, I don't think Ole Miss is going to lose this weekend to Auburn, but I don't think it's going to be a significant victory. Like, I don't think it's going to be a multi-touchdown outcome. Yeah. I, I could definitely see it going either way. Um, I could even see kind of a close Auburn win if some, you know, the wheels really go yeah. off, but, but I could also see a big Ole Miss win. I mean, Auburn is not in a good place mentally. <laughs> and I think if things get a little tougher then they could get really tough. Um, but, but yeah, I, I definitely see where you're coming from and, and we need to see more weekend and week out consistency against solid SEC teams before we, uh, really hone in on that 10 and two. I'm just feeling really good about it. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's all we got this week, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you again next week with the outcome of the Auburn game and looking ahead to LSU. All right, everybody. We will talk later. Bye.